Industrial Talk is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks. Palo Alto Networks offers zero trust for your operational technology without the PTSD. If you're in the digital transformation game, keeping operational technology secure and running smoothly is a tall order. It's enough to make any coolest operations director wake up in night sweats. Palo Alto Network's Zero Trust OT security delivers comprehensive visibility and security for all OT assets, networks, and remote operations. It provides best-in-class security while simplifying OT security management. It sees and protects everything in the network, and it automates threat detection while implementing Zero Trust across all operations. So sleep better at night knowing you have the most comprehensive platform to detect, manage, and secure your OT assets. Learn more about the Palo Alto Network's Zero Trust solution. Go out to paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. Find out more. You will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, welcome to Industrial Talk, the number one industrial-related media platform in the galaxy. That celebrates industry professionals and companies because you're bold, you're brave, you dare greatly, you innovate, you solve problems, you collaborate, you are making the world a better place. That's why we celebrate you on this Industrial Talk platform. In the hot seat, we have a gentleman by the name of Michael Israel. We're going to be talking about field service, what that means, why it's important, and also the the topic of completed staff work. Nope, I don't know anything about it. Michael does. That's why this conversation is so important. Let's uh, get a cracking. So if you're out on the video, if you're saying, my goodness, Scott, what is going on with your eyeball? What's going on with your nose? I had a bit of a procedure done and uh, had something removed from my nose. And of course, it created a black eye. But it doesn't matter. It looks manly. That's what I say. I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. But I was glad to get it done. They did a great job. I think they did a great job. I, I have no comparison. But if you're out there and you're distracted by the nose, get past it. It's just going to be there for a little while. But hopefully I'm on the mend with no problem. All right. I'm, I alluded to this. This platform. This ecosystem that we're creating at Industrial Talk, if you are truly interested in being a part of it and, and sort of highlighting your voice, your blogs, your videos, Industrial Talk is here for you. It is important for us, Industrial Talk, the team Industrial Talk, to be able to sort of, I don't know, be those, be, we want to get that message out. We want to be able to tell the message of industry around the world. We want to be able to do that. And we want to use this platform to do it because there's a lot of people, a lot of individuals, a lot of companies that don't know, that need to know, because we need them to succeed. And to succeed, we need to collaborate. <clears throat> we need to educate. And, of course, there is this huge innovative 
component associated with that. So that's what we're really very much focused, that education, collaboration, and then talking about all the wonderful innovations that you, industry and companies, are doing out there around the world. That's why we're here. Now, this field services, I take it for granted. I didn't know anything about it. I just, you know, my refrigerator goes down. I call somebody. They come on out. They fix it. Boom, done. But there's a lot of work that goes in there. And this is, this is, this was a really interesting conversation. And uh, I, I just love the fact that Michael is, is passionate about it, as well as the company Zuper, Z-U-P-E-R, all into the uh, field services technology. There's a lot that goes on. And, and uh, I want a skilled technician. I want somebody to get it done right the first time. And uh, Zuper and individuals like uh, Michael, they're making that happen. So without uh, further delay, here's Michael. Hey, Michael, welcome to Industrial Talk. Thank you very much for finding time in your busy schedule to talk to the best, I say the best listeners on the face of this earth. Well, thanks doing? for making, yeah, I'm doing great, but thanks for making time for me as well. And uh, I'll let you know when we're done if I think it's the best. It's, How's that? Uh, we're the number one industrial related <laughs> podcast in the universe right here, right now. Yeah, right I'm, here. I'm, and it's all backed up by data. Okay, never mind. I don't need to tell you. <laughs> you know it already. It's all fluff. Anyway, it's, all... it's nice to be, it's really nice to be here. Nice to be part of your show. I really appreciate it. Nah, I really appreciate the, the opportunity. Definitely. All right, listeners, we're going to be talking a little bit about field services. We're going to be talking about uh, a, a principle, a concept of called it completed service work. And Michael's going to go into uh, some details. So I, I I would say and suggest that this is a paper and pencil opportunity. It is. So get your paper and pencil out because this is going to be a great conversation. But before we get into that conversation, Michael, give us a little background, a little 411 on who Michael is. Sure. I have been in the business of field service, and I'll explain that a little more in, in just a moment, for 50 years or, or more. I started um, working for IBM when I was 19 years old so many years ago. I started as a night dispatcher for field service technicians and a parts room clerk. And uh, I spent uh, 12 years with IBM, uh, and I ultimately ended up in Seattle as part of the regional headquarters staff. I spent another six years with a hardware manufacturer based out of Denver, Colorado, uh, where I managed all the field service operations and the parts room and the tech support center and the dispatch center, et cetera, et cetera, uh, both uh, domestically and internationally. And I was there for about six years. And then I moved into the software space and I've spent the last uh, 30 plus years with um, some of the major software companies that provide software for field service business operations. I've also been a field service analyst at uh, three of the uh, major analyst firms, and that pretty much summarizes the 50 years plus that I've spent in the field service industry. Define, for the listeners, define field services. Sure. Field service, you know, it's it's really interesting that you ask that question because most of the time when people ask me what I do, and I tell them, well, I work for a software company, and they say, well, what kind of software? And I say, field service software. And the question that inevitably comes out of their mouth is, what is field service? <laughs> Same thing you just asked. <laughs> and it's it's not surprising, but in a way it is surprising because field service activities surround us every single day. If you think about your house, for example, 
and just think about any appliance in your house. Let's let's talk about your water heater. And all of a sudden, your water heater uh, um, uh, produces a leak of some kind, and you need to you need to call a plumber or somebody to come and fix your water heater, or maybe replace it with a brand new water heater. That person that comes is a field service person. And they do the installation of the equipment, whether it's your water heater or the faucets in your sink or your air conditioning system or the, the lighting control electronics in your house or whatever you have. Whoever is doing that is a field service person. People that mow your lawn are field service people. People that go into grocery stores and convenience stores and fix the point of sale systems or install them or fix the... Um, refrigeration units in their grocery stores, people that go into operating rooms and calibrate the MRI equipment and the CT scanners and calibrate and install and repair the robotic surgical arms. Those are all field service people. People that go into clinics and hospital rooms and do something as simple as replenish the hand sanitizer that is in the unit on the wall. Those are field service people. So yeah. if you go ahead, I see, see you're, what's you're interesting is, to ask is that, a question here. Now it's it's not that it's a, it's it's a it's a profession that, to a certain extent, we take for granted. Like exactly, you know, like you were saying that that hand sanitizer, it, that's it's still full, but it, I, it happens. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it happens. It's not doesn't happen because the nurse changes it. It happens in most cases because there's a company that comes around and resupplies all of that hand sanitizer in all of those units. So as I said, field service is all around you every day. Every time you see a van driving down the road, odds are there's a field service person of some type in that van going somewhere mm. to install something, to fix something, to move it around, to deinstall it and put in a new one. It's probably a field service person to do one of those things. I have to ask the question about Zuper, which is uh, the company that uh, you yeah. work with. There, they have the technology or the platform to be able to properly manage. Because it would seem to me there is the potential mm -hmm. for field services to be like herding cats. If there's a lot of a lot of things going on, and I would imagine that that it requires a pretty robust system to be able to manage that activity. Yeah, you're exactly right. And let me let me um, give you an example of how things have progressed over the past five or six decades that I've been in the business. As I mentioned, I started out as a parts room clerk and a night dispatcher. And when one of the field service technicians, we called them field engineers back in those days, and a lot of places still do refer to them as field engineers. When one of them came to the window in the parts room and asked for a part, in order for me to find the part, I had to go to a tub file. And if anybody's as old as you and I are, they'll remember tub files. Uh, and I had to pull out the card that had the part number on it that I was looking for. And it would tell me which bin, you know, which row, which bin, and which slot in the bin the part would be in. So I'd go to that row, to that, that, to that bin, that slot in that bin, I'd pull the part. Then I'd go back to the tub file, pull the card out, mark out, mark down that I took one. And I'd adjust the on-hand quantity then from 12 to 11 or 10 to 9, whatever the number was. That was all a manual process, obviously. When I needed to dispatch a technician in the night, in the evening to go repair something, I didn't have any software to look at to tell me who was available. 
I had a paper list that told me who's, who's working the night shift tonight. And then I had kind of a, a, a checklist that said if they were available or if they were at some other customer. And I had to manually update those things. And the reason is because there was no software back then to do that stuff. It was all a manual process or you you wrote it on a whiteboard or you stuck a magnet on a whiteboard that said occupied or whatever. It's changed so dramatically because now there's software that manages all of that. Um, if an order comes through in a parts room that says a technician, uh, John Doe, needs a part, it will not only it, it pop up on the screen or print out a, a sheet that says, here's the part number, here's exactly where it is, here's how many we're supposed to have on hand. And when you issue it to the technician, you go to the window, physically hand it to them, and then update their, your laptop or your handheld device that says, I gave John part number one, two, three. Now, all of a sudden, the inventory uh, balance shown in the software is minus one. So if I had 10, now I got nine. So it's all automatic. And as far as um, assigning and dispatching the technicians, uh, we instantly can see which technicians are available. Mm. Are they working today or are they off shift? Is it, uh, Do they work the weekends or don't they? What are they doing at this very moment? Are they available or are they at a customer site? And if so, how long have they been there? And when are they expected to finish? Because we know with the software that based upon the type of service call that it is, that typically takes 45 minutes or two hours or three days or whatever it is. So we can have a pretty accurate estimate of when that technician is going to be available for the next call. See, and what's interesting it, is <clears throat> that how you're ahead. driving the inefficiencies out of that process. Exactly. Because in way back when, you know, when, when they used to do it manually, it just has an innate sense of inefficiency just because it's, it is what it is. Now you're driving that inefficiency out with uh, clarity into seeing where everybody's at and yeah. what, what's happening, you know, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Not only where everybody's at, but what's what's out there in the future that needs to be taken care of. And who's the most likely person that is going to yeah. be able to do that? Do they, see, you know, who, what kind of skills are needed to go to the next job? Um, see, that's how, really how far away are they from the next job? Yeah. So the software today can look at all of that data, analyze it, and can actually produce an ideal route for a technician. It says, okay, instead of driving from the east end of the city to the west end of the city, and then back to the east end of the city, now we can automatically create a route that says, when you finish job in the east end of the city, go to the next one in the west end of the city, then go to the next one in the uh, east and west end of the city, whatever one I didn't mention the first time, uh. then back to the south end of the city. And then finally, when I'm done, send me back to the office or send me back to my home. All of that is automatically determined and the routes and the schedules are automatically calculated and assigned to the right person for the right times. Spectacular. I'm all giddy. That sounds so cool. I mean, I really am. I, I, so let's let's take a let's take a, an example. So I'm on the phone. My my uh, my uh, refrigerator is down for whatever reason. Call goes out. You dispatch a a field expert comes on out, but that system's taking care of it. I got the right person doing the right job. But I want to be able to use this as a segue to that topic of completed service work. Take us through that. He deploys the, the solution, fixes the uh, refrigerator in this example, and then what? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna divide that into two parts. Please okay? and, and and talk about it from what is the technician doing now? 
versus or and what is he going to do when he's done? Uh, so what is the technician doing now? That's part of the completed service work um, philosophy as well. If the technician has the right skills, then most likely they're going to be able to correctly diagnose and fix your problem. If they have the right parts in their van, uh, which the software will help them determine, uh, then they're going to be able to fix your problem on the first time, first visit rather than having to say to you, I need to go back to the shop and get a part and then I'll come back tomorrow. Or I need to go back to the shop, see if we have it. And if we don't have it, we're going to have to order it. And then I'll have to call you and tell you when I'm going to be able to come back. If they have the right skills, the right parts, and the right attitude, and that comes in with the next part of the discussion about completed service work, mm -hmm. that is an important uh, an important part of the whole completed service work concept. That is, make sure that what you're doing uh, to start with is you're enabled to do it completely and accurately and finish it the first time that you go visit the customer so that you don't have to go back. The next the, uh, part of... Yeah, yeah so let me just sort of wrap that mm -hmm. up real quick. Skills, parts, and attitude is how it's we're segueing into the, the completed service work. And yeah, yeah I'd say, yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. Let's add one other. Skills, parts, attitude, and timeliness. Timeliness, yes. So how frustrated are you today, for example, if you place a service call for your water heater, just to pick an stick with the example we talked about already. Yep. yep. And the answer you get from the company that's coming is, well, we'll be there tomorrow sometime. We'll have to let you know. Unacceptable. Versus, yeah, we'll be there tomorrow. We're coming between 8 and 10 in the morning. And the technician that's coming is Joel. Yeah. Better. And then, and then in the morning, you get a text or an email or both that says, Joe is on his way. He'll be arriving in 15 minutes. And here's this picture. Right. I like it. I like that's it so, so far. Yeah. That's all the tech. That's those are all the things and more that the technologies can do. Technologies like Zuber, like the company that I work for. So let's get to the other part of completed service work. And that is perhaps in the long run, the most important, I think. And that is what does the technician do when he or she is done with doing your repair or doing your install or whatever? Let me give you a little background before I get into the details. Many years ago, as I indicated, I worked for IBM. And when I worked in Seattle for regional headquarters, I worked for a fellow that was um, a, a real character. Uh, and at, at, hold, hold, at, at IBM? <laughs> A real yeah. character. Yeah, and he was. He was. He was a character. Um, white shirt. He was, he, he was a positive character. Let me put it that way. I'll, <laughs> even, I'll even tell you his name. Um, but anyway, for him, I did a lot of writing. I had to write a lot of financial reports and manpower planning reports and things like that. And I would give him my reports, and he'd look at them and read them, and he'd literally throw them across the desk at me, throw the paper across the desk at me, and he'd say, "You can do better than this." You know, and I, I thought that, man, he's a, he's a mean SOB when I first started working with him. But the more I worked with him, the more I got to love him, really. And, and he introduced me to a concept, which was the basis of why he treated me this way. The concept was known at the time, and you can look this up on Wiki and you'll find it was called completed staff work. And completed staff work meant that anybody who was a suburb, a um not a suburb, a suburb is a place. Yeah. Anybody who is a subordinate of a superior, 
who is assigned to write a report for a superior should do so in such a manner to do it so completely, so thoroughly re researched, so perfectly written, if you will, that the superior didn't need to do anything except sign it. They didn't necessarily have to review it or make commentary or give criticisms or anything because that superior knew that the subordinate was going to produce a close to perfect, if not perfect report. So after a few years, I got close to that. But the point is he introduced me to this concept called completed staff work. And as I thought about it over the years, I thought, why does that just apply to written reports and things? That should apply to everything. So I came up with the concept of completed service work based upon that original introduction huh. to completed staff work. And my thought was completed service work means that when you're done with your work, you're not done yet. You're only done with your work, your assigned task, when you are able to anticipate the customer's next need, their next question, the next thing that might be helpful for them. And you're able to proactively anticipate and address the next thing that the customer might need, the next question that the customer might ask, the next instruction that might be helpful to the customer, the next recommendation that might make their life easier, like, gee, maybe you need to upgrade your water heater because it's 15 years old. Oh. Um, simple things like that. So it's anticipating what the customer might need in advance and proactively providing that for them or trying to provide that for them. And that just spans a, a gamut of opportunities. So with completed service work, what we at Zuper are doing, and we, we do podcasts about this and we have a book in process about this, we're trying to encourage organizations to encourage their field service staff to adopt a philosophy and a culture of completed service work that basically says, okay, you fix the water heater, now what? Do you just go on to your next job immediately? Or do you think about what might help the customer? Or do you ask the customer, is there anything else I can do for you? Is there any additional questions I can provide? Any uh, the answers to any additional information I can provide for you? That is completed service work. And that in the long run cements a much closer relationships with your customer than just doing the work. And if you cement a much closer relationship with your customers, number of wonderful things happen. They're going to stay with you. They're not going to look for competitive uh, solutions because they're happy, more than happy with what you do for them. If they stay with you, they're going to spend more money over the long haul. If they're if they're going to buy a new water heater, guess who they're going to buy it from? Not from somebody that just came in and did the work, rather from somebody that came in and acted as a true caring partner for them. And they're also going to give positive referrals to their friends, their neighbors, their business associates. And you're going to get some revenue out of those referrals that you otherwise would not have gotten. Do you require that field service technician to update the system with that information saying, yes, I had this conversation with Scott. I recommended that the water heater is looking like it's on its last legs. They decided whatever. <laughs> But I said, okay, you can do. Does that information ever make it to the the system itself? Well, that's a great question, uh, and the answer is yes, it can. Uh, to to say yes, does it always? Is it required? No, yeah. not necessarily. One of the advantages of the software systems that are available, including Zuper today, 
is that you can make that information required. In Zooper, for example, we can make checklists and or you can refer to them as inspection lists as well, where we can say to the technician on site, think of it as an inspection. If you're doing the water heater, make sure you inspect the anode rod, for example, and the uh, the um, uh, the pilot light, et cetera. And if you want to also make sure that the technician asks some specific questions, you can put those in the checklist and you can make them required. So like, did you ask the customer the last time they had the water, their water heater inspected? What, did you ask them when the last time was they had the water, water heater flushed? Those kinds of things. And uh, you can, if, if you want, you don't have to, but if you want using the software, you can make those kinds of questions absolutely required so the technician can't finish his work on the work order or the job unless he answers those questions. Man, now I'm the, all of the, a sudden the, thinking about my water heater. Coming over there like, oh so my God. We, can switch, we can switch to air conditioner if you like. It's, no, it's even don't a even do that. <laughs> it's like, oh my I, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming, though, we don't want to switch to robotic arms and, and surgical centers right now. So. Cool topic. Cool topic. Don't get me wrong. That's a cool topic. How do you, how do you, it seems training. It just seems like there's some training. There's some cultural, uh, organizational type of work that needs to be done to begin deploying this completed service work mentality. How do you oh, how I, do you provide that? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. There has to be some cultural training, and it has to be led from the top. If you don't have management, senior management, fully um, embracing this philosophy and spreading the word about that philosophy and encouraging it and even rewarding people when they exercise according to that philosophy and that culture, then it's not going to happen. Um, I'll give you an example. I think um, not too long ago, speaking of air conditioners, um, I had a uh, semi-annual inspection. You know, you can sign up with oh, yeah. HVAC companies. You can sign up to have them come and inspect twice a year. So the guy was here to inspect my air conditioning systems and he did his job, I, I guess. I don't know, because he didn't talk to me about it afterwards. He just handed me his handheld device and said, could you please sign? Yeah. And, and of course, I signed because it was part of my contract and I didn't owe any extra money and they didn't encourage me to buy other stuff at this time. But he didn't tell me what he did. He didn't give me any uh -huh. advice on how to how to make sure that I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, using my air conditioning system in the most efficient manner possible. And I thought, you know, the guy did his job, but I'm not going to keep my contract with this customer, with this company. Uh -huh. I'm going to get a contract from another company. That's the difference, right? So I, I don't know how to further explain it. No, he, it's, he, he did it's, an adequate he did an adequate job, yeah. but he didn't he didn't he didn't finish anything having to do with completed service work. See, we've all experienced that. I, I don't it, yeah. You'd be lying if you said you'd never have, because I know that you have. I'm pointing at you people out there in the video. Um, we've all experienced it where there's there's a noticeable difference of, of somebody providing services that go that extra mile, that talk about, hey, this, that, and the other thing. I did this. I did this. I cleaned this out. This was good. This looks fine. You get a little weak here, whatever. The details associated with that versus somebody that just comes in, you know, flies in, flies out. And, and it just seems to me that if I was the owner of a company that provided field service solutions, I would I – would, require that because it's bottom line value it's it creates that 
customer stickiness that that's so valuable, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and to to answer, I think the other part of the question you you asked is, you know, how do you encourage that? And I talked yeah. about it's got to be from the top. It's got to be in the yeah. DNA. And if people aren't exercising it, aren't acting according to that philosophy, then they need to be educated and they need to be shown examples of how it works and what, what are the consequences of when it works. And I think companies can capture that yeah. information, you know, and they need to be, and, and they need to be shown examples or explained examples about when it doesn't work. Um, and I think if they can put in some kind of recognition rewards that are presented to people occasionally because they exhibit that that philosophy consistently, yeah. I think that's really important. Then that serves as an encouragement for the rest of the team. I'm What's interesting? Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, please. No, no. I, what's interesting to me is that what you're talking about that that going above and beyond, asking the right questions, doing showing that you're you care. I think that that has that's applicable to not just field service. It's it's applicable to business in general, oh, industry sure. in general. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, come on, it makes sense. Yeah. Right. I mean, no, it just does. Yeah. There's there's no question about that, and I I think you used the right terminology. You said showing that you care. Yeah. Show empathy. Right. How would you like to be treated as the customer if you were on the receiving end of that service? Yeah. Would you like to have somebody take an extra minute with you or two minutes or whatever to help you understand better how to get better yeah. productivity and usage out of your product, uh, out of your air conditioning yeah. system, yeah. whatever? Um, or would you just have some, would you rather have somebody come and no. just do what they need to do and then say bye-bye? I, I think the answer for most people is absolutely clear. I, I give you, and you know what the other thing is, there's an upside for the technician as well. When they're doing this and they're they're seeing that their customers are almost always, and I mean certainly you can't please everybody all the time, but if you if you exercise in that manner, you exercise your duties in that manner, the vast majority of the time you're going to see your customers smile. They're going to be grateful. They might even hand you a tip. Um, and uh, for them, for the technicians, I think that engenders a sense of pride and yeah. and a sense of value, a sense of worth. And if they have if they have pride in their work, they have a sense of value. They have a sense of that they're contributing something valuable to the company. They're not likely to leave, right? No. They're not going to be hunting around frequently for a job that pays ten cents an hour or more or whatever. Um, so there's an upside all across the board for the customers, for the technicians, wow. and for the companies. Well, you're hitting on all cylinders. I I really can appreciate this completed service work. I can, I, I definitely have admiration for uh, the field service technicians. It's not easy work. It's challenging. It they deal with personalities like me. If my air conditioning is out, I'm not the nicest individuals. I'd like to consider myself being nice, but I'm hot. I'm miserable, and you, you know, and God bless them because they're that it's excellent work. Michael, how do they get a hold of you? They're saying, I want to know more about uh, Zoom, uh, Super and, and and just all of you coming out with a book. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. And thanks for mentioning the book. We hope to have that out sometime first first quarter of next year. Oh. And just for people's information, the title, we think, will be Completed Service Work, The Path to Sustained Customer Loyalty. Yeah. Um, so there's a plug before the book is even published. So thanks I like for that it. opportunity. Uh, 
Anyway, um, they can get a hold of me in a couple ways. One, uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Michael Israel. I always caution people, there's a very famous artist named Michael Israel. That is not me. So you you might have to scroll down a page or two to find me. Uh, you can reach me through Zuper. My Zuper email address is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at Zuper, Z-U-P-E-R, dot C-O. So it's dot co, not dot com. Oh. I always want to point that out. A little singer um, in there. Yeah. Well, we're, we're one of the, one, the dot co um, domain is, is gaining much more popularity. It's being used by a lot of uh, newer startup companies that want to really distinguish themselves as uh, as you know pioneers yeah. etc so yeah. anyway it's, it's uh, .co, michael at zuper.co well fantastic michael thank you very much for being on industrial talk all right everybody we're going to have all the contact information for michael out on industrialtalk.com so reach out put that on your to-do list excellent job michael excellent job Thank All right, you. listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. Stay tuned. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. That was a great conversation. Enjoyed that conversation with Michael. Company is super. The gentleman again is Michael Israel. You're going to have all the contact information for Michael out on Industrial Talk. Remember, we're generating, we're creating a platform that makes it easy, simplifies people's ability to be able to get the information they need to make great decisions. And you, industry professionals, you, companies, are leading the way, and you are at the heart of what we're trying to do here at Industrial Talk, because we want to educate, got to educate, we want to collaborate, we need to collaborate. And definitely, innovation is a big part of that. And the only way you're going to do that is that you educate and collaborate. That's exactly what has to happen. So that's what industrial talk is all about. We're going to have more great conversations, as you always know. Be bold. Be brave. Dear greatly. Hang out with me. And let's change the world together. We're going to have another great conversation shortly, so stay tuned. We will be.